Welcome to the Yellow Apparel Podcast, where we help you navigate the perilous world of Asian American identity through pop culture, sex, politics, and whatever other random stuff is currently distracting us. Welcome back, Yellow Perilers. Greetings to all you Lees, all you Wongs, all you Kobayashis. This is episode 48. I'm Oki, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, comic book artist, musician, actor, all those things. <laughs> Jeremy Arambulo. One time back. Welcome to the podcast. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for Thanks having for me. Coming. Yeah. Um, where to even begin? I mean, I guess the best place to start right now is about your latest project, A Challenge, uh, a graphic novel you're working on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us, I mean, I know what it's about. Can mm-hmm. you just give a brief summary for everybody that's still, you know, new to the project? Uh, it was inspired by the um, 1964 fight between, or duel between uh, Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man. And um, I guess it's weird. It's weird talking about it now because there is that movie that was made about it. So I feel like when I talk about right. the book, uh, for the same people who would be listening to me talk about it, are most likely are aware of at least the fight sure. or have seen the movie. So, But it, I hear that one's not as good or it's not that it's, it's not that good <laughs> well can we I, say I, that and frank i've read your book and i can only imagine it's a hundred times better but yeah go ahead so, so you, didn't, you, you didn't see the movie i haven't seen the movie i i enjoyed the movie really? but like uh, <laughs> well i mean there, it was controversial because i think when it premiered in toronto early last year um there was a different cut of it and right. like i think that was the cut that like shannon lee bruce lee's daughter saw and mm-hmm. like she pretty much dogged it and like um i think a bunch of months passed before they um had because I, I guess they were distributed by like wwe entertainment or whatever so they had like an actual like weird sort of legit distribution sure uh this past summer mm-hmm. but like super limited mm-hmm. but i mean not so limited that it, it wasn't like it was playing at the mall down the street from me like in uh when i was living in glendale so like it was around and um so yeah, I, I saw I saw the premiere of like the new cut, and um, it was um, better. It was better because I think that the the flack that they got was that because you could see it in like the first trailer that they had. It's weird that I'm like before I'm even saying anything about my book that I'm just going off. Movie, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> just it. to get it out of the way. Yeah, let's get um, it out of the way. Like, cause, yeah, because then like, we can get to the better <laughs> story of Bruce Lee versus. Well, well of course, I'm not like. Of course, I'm gonna think mine is better, even but, though like I admit yeah. to enjoying the movie. Mm-hmm. But like, um, <laughs> um, I I guess the the flack that they had was that uh, it was like a white savior thing because you could see in the first trailer they cut where it's like it centered a lot around this like random white, white dude, dude who was like yeah. loosely based on Steve McQueen. I think is the character's name in the movie was Steve McKee, <laughs> so it was like super thinly veiled and. Wow. Um, you know, in, in the cut that I saw, he still figures prominently, but he's very much like kind of um, just comedy relief in sure. the version they cut. And they, how whatever changes they made, they really did try to minimize. Center, yeah, minimize him and try to center it around Bruce Lee and Wachak Man. Because not only historically are we just going to be more fascinated with them, but the people they cast were great. You know, and it's a bummer Good. that it got such a bad rap because, like, I think that the. The actors they cast for Bruce Lee and Walter Man are, are great, but like, you know, it's 
e- even the recut version, you could see that it was a compromised sure. product. Sure. And um, the comparison I would make to my book is that, you know, I can't be objective about my book, but I could understand if someone read it and would see that it was compromised in terms of um, tone or what I put into it because I, I feel like I put a lot into my book. Definitely. And maybe it, uh, like, like yeah, in terms of um, subject matter and mm-hmm. tone and uh, and characters. Because, and, like, that was actually... Um, I mean, uh, let me say, the it's the duel between Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man mm. in 1964. But, of course, everyone has to fictionalize it in a way, right? Because yeah, no one... There's so many different stories, right? Whether it, like... Yeah, I think there was, like, maybe a little bit over a handful of um, uh, actual witnesses to the fight, sure. and they all have um, wildly varying... Right, whether you're on the side of Bruce Lee or Wong Jack Man yeah. as well. But, right? like, like, like uh, you know, the movie Rashomon. I've been... Rashomon, mm-hmm. like... Uh, it's funny because I've been using like that term as if it's a movie that everyone has seen, it's but in, in in my head. But like I feel like in egghead film nerd terms, like people will bring that up as like a um, shorthand for you know everyone has their own version of the same story, right? And um, and you or yours is a great one. <laughs> but I mean, where where did you take liberties, and what? How much did you keep? To fact, I know you added some fictional characters, but based them on some real people as well. Yeah, I um I lean more towards uh, the Wong Jack Man side of things, and I, yeah, <laughs> Wong Jack Man himself like didn't he's an he's a notorious recluse and didn't really at, at least uh, years after the fact just didn't have much to say about it, and right. he doesn't really do interviews. And um, but um. His uh, his main student Rick Wing, who kind of took the mantle of teaching Northern Shaolin, um, he like literally wrote the book on this fight, mm-hmm. like having firsthand um, being a firsthand witness to uh, Wong Chak Man, and uh, he was just in a unique position to continue to get uh, Wong Chak Man's point of view of the fight over the years. Because uh, I think Rick Wing was his student as far back as like the seventies, right? But like Wong Jack Man, um, you know, after the fight, um, his immediate res- um, response to it in the public eye was through the uh, China- the San Francisco Chinatown papers. Because when the fight went down, uh, regardless of what the result was, it was everyone agrees that they, the two fighters, were like, we're not going to talk about it. Right, you know, the shit went down, and it's like, okay, so let's agree that this is whatever happened. It's between us, right? And then I guess there was an interview shortly after that where Bruce Lee, I free, he was like being interviewed by like Black Belt, like some magazine, and like he didn't name Wong Jack, Wong Jack Man, but he was like, yeah, I, I fought. He was like saying like I fought some like kung fu cat, and like basically describing his version of the story, just basically talking shit about him, even though he didn't name him. So, like, um, but, you know, everyone who was in that community knew who he was talking about. So, uh, after that, Wong Jack Man, um, like, put out a public challenge again. Like, okay, let's fight in public. Like, he put this, like, in the papers. Yeah. And then Bruce Lee didn't respond. And, like, you know, Hmm. the the, the argument could be that around that time, and maybe this is what happened, um, or this is why he didn't respond, but, like, 
I think around that time is when he auditioned and got the role of um, uh, Green Hornet. Okay. Or Kato and yeah. Green Hornet. So he was too busy. Yeah, and then after that, that was it. <laughs> but I'm too busy. I'm big yeah. time now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, huh. who knows? But then I feel like, I don't know how much he talked about it. I mean, he at least talked about it to, <clears throat> talked about it to um, uh, Michael Dorgan or, or whoever Michael Dorgan sourced for uh, this article that was written in 1980 for... I think Black Belt Magazine called uh, Bruce Lee's Toughest Fight, which is actually the inspiration for me even starting this book. Right. And, um, but the reason you sort of like sided with Wong Jackman, is it because, why? why? Like, is it like you enjoy the underdog story? Because he was sort of, you know, the home, you know, he, he's the, just the much hometown more, hero. Well, he's of. just much more of a um, blank slate. Uh, which I thought, from a narrative point of view, uh, would have been easier. But then I, I realized as soon as I started writing it that, um, you know, because I've never really taken martial arts, and I don't know what that kind of meant. It was hard for me to inject a personality into somebody who was that much of a blank slate. Right. Like, no one really knows much about him, like, to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just, you know, like I said, he's he's a recluse, and he's just a from all accounts, a, a very quiet and reserved person. Right. And w- so when I was coming up with the story and sort of choosing to sort of lean towards his side, at least just from the, from a narrative point of view, because we, we don't need another Bruce Lee story. There's like Bruce Lee stories from here to <laughs> eternity. Yin yang, as it were. <laughs> yeah, and like um, even even when, when, when the, um, a, a Bruce Lee-centric um, biopic or biography whatever um it just focuses on his life it's um wildly unprofessional <laughs> <laughs> who did that that was my producer's phone but, but uh, no i mean you know they, 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 there is a version of bruce lee that exists like 90 percent like in the uh, of 90 percent of media about him mm-hmm. there's a narrative of him being not only a superhero but like a philosophical and yeah. he he was great at all these things but i don't yeah we, we don't need any more of that and like yeah. i've been i've had friends who've read the book because the book you know I, or you know that I, i'm in the process of pitching it now I, sure. I just finished it yeah so i've only had friends read it and i've had people tell me like you know you kind of paint him in an unflattering light but it's like but that's what i appreciate and love about the book <laughs> no really because yeah. i know you've said in other interviews and stuff that and i feel like you can see it in past interviews with bruce lee like there's a cockiness to him, a confidence, and you do play that a little up, but especially when he's confronted by a challenge, as it were, <laughs> you know, he, he, he plays that up even more. It, it's in him. You know, we've seen that in interviews. So I don't think, I don't think it's wrong. I mean, have you talked to anybody from his estate or has I anybody read it? From very him? intentionally did not want to because I oh. knew that I would be sort of, um, kind of approaching it this way like embellishing it's weird to say that i have an agenda because of course i mean it it goes without saying that i idolize bruce lee and if you're an asian american born from 1970 dot 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 to wherever like you it's a default Mm -hmm. so um i'm glad that you dig that it there's that take on him because um i'm personally way more fascinated with him as a 
remotely flawed. I was going to say flawed character, but he's not. I mean, he, well, he was a so real a person. Ma- yeah. That's not like perfect and idolized to the point of where he's like, right. Because I understand why uh, Shannon Lee or the Bruce Lee estate or, or Linda Lee would want to portray him how, how he's been betrayed. Because, or portrayed. Mm-hmm. I said betrayed. Betray- <laughs> I don't know yeah. that's so got a weird slip. But um, <laughs> um, because, I mean... Yeah, of course, there's that obvious trauma of him dying so early, and sure. they must have this very specific idea of him in their heads that they want to kind of keep alive, and Attacked that only, be- yeah, and it only becomes more sort of um, mythologized as time goes on, not sure. only in their heads, but how they want to sort of protect that and portray that to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I get that, yeah, but as a fan and a lifetime follower, at a certain point, I, I want to mm-hmm. know more. Like, I want the human element mm-hmm. because we're all, like, whether it, any historic figure you talk about, you know, you, you will get to a point where, you know, they, they are deified in general. And then if you do even a cursory reading of um, that person's history at a certain point, you're going to want to know, like, yeah, the, the non-perfect parts of them. Absolutely. And, um we, we just don't have a lot of that, or at least as, as Asian Americans don't really have um, a lot of nuanced characters. Right. I think. I mean, I'm... what do you think the way Bruce Lee is portrayed mostly and the way most pop culture views him, is that almost a stereotype as well now? In a way, right? I think out of the box, he was a stereotype yeah. because he was such an outsized character that he was easy to caricature. Mm-hmm. You know, just um, and, and and that goes either way because there's a lot of really cool things that come with that. But then that is that could really work against you. Right, like, someone goes up if, to you like, "What's up?" Like, or, oh. Yeah, someone's like, "Hey, Bruce Lee." You're like, "God damn it! <laughs> what the fuck?" It's like he's cool, but come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know, and and. Um, like, I, but you've you've also sort of told a bit of your own story in the story. You've added like this new fictional character. Would you say? I, I mean, I see some of you in him, <laughs> knowing you. Yeah, right. Not just the drunk part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like I, I, they warn you against that. Because this is my first uh, serious attempt at. Um, like I never, I actually had never written a script before. Really? And, but you uh, write so many comics. Like a I, full script. Like yeah, like full... actually like, like get an application. To write. Right. Like I never did that. Like all, all the comics I had done, like autobio comics where I just kind of off the top of my head or just sketched it out or um, like collaborations. One page or yeah, I pages. never sat down and be like, this is the script and then I'm going to take the script. Like I never did that. Wow. Okay. So um, it was just sort of um, trial by fire and... Um, you know, again, I'm so close to it that I can't really be objective to it. And I'm sure that actual writers and graphic novelists or whatever will be able to sort of pick apart what things I like didn't. I think, I think personally, after reading it and knowing all your past work and knowing now that like all those shorter pieces, I think you've totally, you can see the progression and you've clearly learned from like these little bits how to like tell this greater story and the way that everyone is connecting it and affecting each other in very powerful ways and everyone has a very important story every character is like really great i can't recommend it enough <laughs> honestly 
I, yeah, I, it's thank touching you. and it's like a cool event. I mean, it's great that you've wrapped it in this time period in San Francisco and you've wrapped it around this like, you know, true story basically on a really a momentous event really in uh i guess beyond just karate world <laughs> you know it's like a it's a pretty important event and the stories you tell around it are really touching i'm super <laughs> no i'm super flattered because i yeah. guess um i'm just if i'm like taken aback it's because i haven't really talked to a lot of people about it because okay. yeah. it, it's so just like just done yeah. so um and can everybody can just read the whole thing online already not yet no. because from, from a pub- publishing standpoint i was advised to not put the yeah. entire book sure. on there i mean <laughs> at a certain point like if i'm you know in the middle of um trying to sell this and no one's interested then yeah i'll just put the whole thing online and then or eventually self-publish, self-publish. It. yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out but um cool man that's like another yeah conversation <laughs> that uh but what can, what story with. did you want to tell with the uh the th- third character that's not jack that's not um, um the actress he he was kind of put in by necessity and by my sort of being green as a storyteller because what i was gonna say before is that um they, they, they tell you that you're not supposed or i've read that you're not supposed to inject yourself in the story like they Into warn you about character. that yeah like to literally put yourself in the story sure. I, i've read that that it's just but you can inject against. parts of your... Which is what I wanted to do with Wong Chak Man, but then when I realized how little I have in common with them, how hard it was for me to kind of penetrate the core of that character, mm-hmm. I, uh, to me, Wong Chak Man came to symbolize uh, not only the historical person, but um, people in my own life who are really amazing at what they do and infinitely more focused, but also sort of suffer from what i would imagine someone like wong jack man would suffer from mm-hmm. you know the the um the cost of that focus you know because there's only so much bandwidth in the brain you know i know I, i've been around a lot of people who are really good at what they do but there are certain basic things in their personal life that kind of fall by the wayside because they are so focused on being amazing at that one thing they're that they're doing and um so that was sort of that informed Wong Chak Man's character to me, even though the actual Wong Chak Man is someone that, you know, the world will never really know, and that's very much his choice. And you know, even though I got, I I met him very briefly oh, in did. person, which I did not expect to. Awesome. You know, I I, I respected that, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I never expected to meet him. That's a whole other story. And I, I, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Freaked me out. Yeah. But, Were you writing the story already? I just finished it. It was this past August, like oh, on wow. my birthday, I met him. <laughs> on your birthday? Because um, yeah, what I was a great, amazing gift. His though, family right? invited me to a screening in San Francisco for Birth of the Dragon, and yeah, it was that's, that's sweet. A, Did I you get, bring I get, him? Like, have you been talking to his family about the book or something, or what was? I it? was through email. I was speaking with his wife, and okay, uh, cool. I don't, I don't know how much to say about it because like they are very private. So sure. I um. I mean, we'll dude, speak you gotta about get, it like, you gotta get a forward by him. I don't know. would be amazing. He's gotta read it. He's gotta <laughs> read it. Put, it paints him in such a cool, like, great light. I don't know. Well, I know that his, I'm pretty sure his wife has read, if not all of it, mm-hmm. most of it. Yeah. I don't know if he's read any of it, but I, um, through his, um, you know, his, I guess, 
pro, I, I never know how to label it, Rick as protege Rick Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to uh, get a copy of the first two chapters, like a physical copy. To him. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, last year, but any, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But what I, what I was saying is that um, yeah, the 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 purpose for I guess my avatar, which is the character Frank. Right. Um, I just kind of ignored that advice that writers give to <laughs> rookie writers like myself, where it's like, you, I, I just ignored it. it. Yeah. yeah, and I literally like put an exaggerated version of myself just as a foil to uh, the Wong Jack Man character, just to yeah, kind yeah, of... work perfect, though. It really did. He's a weird catalyst, you know? Yeah. He's almost like this living uh, MacGuffin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> living because, like, of what happened no, to him and such... how he... Right, he propels things yeah. to happen with Wong Jackman, and it, I think it's great. It worked out perfect, <laughs> honestly. I, um, but where do you see? Like, couldn't you see this as a movie? Maybe better. Than... I think I'm, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> that ship is sailed. Oh, Be like right. Birth of the Dragon again? No, Birth of the Dragon <laughs> 2.0 or. Rush Rebirth of the Dragon. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of my favorite movies um, have that very um, obvious um, uh, chemistry of like the sort of straight guy, loose cannon. And this is just my version of it. Mm-hmm. And um, Which is the, you. You're the loose cannon. <laughs> a version of me, yeah. In, in my weakest, just most horrible moments, yeah. <laughs> And um, and 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 Nancy came into it just as um, just to not have it be all men. Sure. <laughs> like I injected uh, just a, a lot of um, th- um, I guess it's how do I say? It? I mean, there's some like some sexual tension, the angst of like being rejected, or you know things like that, or. Men vine for the same thing. I, I, I was, yeah, because I was like, a, because I consider myself to be a beginner as a writer, mm-hmm. I, like a lot of dumb idiot guys, I was mortified at trying to sort of write a female human, but that's because of my my lack of confidence in myself. Because sure. obviously I, walking through the world, you know, you you have enough women in your life that if you're a remotely empathetic person and you could channel that into a human character right. and, and and not be so worried about it's a girl but like <laughs> but the, but the, you know, in my weakest moments as was in my head I'm like can, am I gonna make this person a human like yeah. but that's my own you know my my weak moments and, and sure. um, my my fear of writing that I'm sure even seasoned writers have and um that crept in, but I just tried to be as honest as possible and sort of try to remember uh, certain interactions with my life and, and relationships and, and friends of mine and and and, and try to really um, uh, make that character live in my head. And I hope that she's not just, uh, you know, an object of affection for these two guys. I hope not. I hope that she actually is a person in the story that absolutely has her own agency. Yes. Absolutely. She has hopes and dreams too. Yeah. The acting yeah. shit, which I hate, <laughs> but you know. look, I mean, I think it's important then in 1964. And then, but it's, it, it's crazy to me. That's the craziest part to me is like, you have this 
struggling Asian American actress in 1964. Like Asian Americans have been trying to be on screen <laughs> since 1964, yeah. and where are we now? We're we're better, well, but we're not. Her 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 big inspiration on the surface level as an actor was um uh Nancy. Oh, why am I blanking oh, yeah. on her name? Okay. Uh, Flower drum song. Um, yeah. Right. Um, for some reason, I'm, I, I keep thinking of the name of my own character. But I know. Uh, Here it is, Nancy Kwan. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Played Little Low in yes. the Flower Drum song. Yes. And um, you know, just um, how, how amazing it was. And I, I even like sort of called back in terms of like Asians in show business, like mm-hmm. in the actual book. Like I, I um, put in a shout out to James Shigeta. Who is uh, yeah. in that Samuel Fuller movie? Um, I forget again, but uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh, well, but yeah, people I, I, I call back to like, um, because I mean, thank God we live in a time where we actually are seeing Asian Americans just way more prominently in shows and movies and stuff. Like we, we because of the way the sort of film and TV landscape is, you know, we have a lot more control and agency over what we put out and and we have a lot more access mm-hmm. uh but re- regardless of that we're, we're getting roles that that have like wide exposure and um that that's an amazing it's, it's amazing that we're experiencing that now but of course on like, um, like a baby renaissance we're in the infancy of it yeah but like <laughs> i think on, on historically I, i'm like living in 2017 i'm still super fascinated by these um new things will pop up i didn't know about that um that that deal with um, Asians or Asian Americans in, in a non Asian setting or sure. in an American setting or mm-hmm. like for example I I recently watched the movie um, Hiroshima Monomore which I had never seen huh sort I don't what even know if you about? categorize it as uh, French New Wave okay but it's um, it revolves around this um, this French woman who sort of gets into this affair with a Japanese man and it was well already. Yeah. It, I forget when it was shot. So they but it, sexualized it's in the an Asian man. Yeah. Like anytime that happens, it's a weird thing, but it's, it's, it's weird it's when it's something thing. that you didn't know about <laughs> yeah. that existed way back when. Huh? And, uh, because that's not something that is widely shared. So yeah, when that happens, it's just like, Holy crap. <laughs> and then so, never happened again. <laughs> yeah. For at least <laughs> decades the after walking dead. Sort of. <laughs> So, but I mean, I, let's talk about. I mean, speaking of movies, um, you've acted before too. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I haven't seen all of your work. I've just seen part of the. Um, who wrote that? That was uh, Derek Kirkham. Yes, Mania. right. Um, how did you get involved in that? Was that like uh, you're like, oh, I want to act, and hey, not at all. Like, um, I'm friends with Derek, and he's looking for a perfect guy, like. I was basically a fan of his comics, um, mm-hmm. like from like I guess the late nineties, early two thousands. Like he really made a big impression on on a lot of people. Oh yeah, with the uh, same time. Did you? Yeah, you yeah. read. Same, oh yeah. Like when it was serialized at the time, like oh, like two thousand. Yeah, like when it was on um, small stories. Oh, talking about, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got a little deep with that stuff. Yeah. But you know, I got to know him just as a fan of that comic. Cool and. Um, and then um, just at conventions, mm-hmm. sort of just getting to know him. And then we eventually became friends over the years. So, um, you know, he, he indirectly had a huge impact on me in terms of how seriously I wanted to take comics because 
and it happened by accident in around 2005 um he was just visiting because he, he was going to tcaf i don't know what tcaf it was like if it was the first one but it was tcaf in 2005 what is TCAF? Uh, sorry for uh, people Tor- that don't know <laughs> sorry yeah. uh toronto comics arts festival got it okay, and cool. um that was a life-changing experience because like um he, he just was visiting, and he's like, well, you know, my, uh, some of my cartoonist friends are going to come by and pick me up, and we're going to drive to Toronto. And um, so I was just basically sheltering him for that to happen. But hmm. when it, when uh, they came over, they had an extra spot in their car, like, you want to join us? And I said, why not? And Hell I did, yeah. and then I got exposed to a whole world of um, nerds. These ama- nerd, <laughs> nerds and amazing cartoonists who I otherwise may have taken me way longer to uh know about or sure. to meet awesome. you know like and it was on that trip i met like like brian lee o'malley wow. and, and becky clunan and etc like, yeah, scott pilgrim and yeah all yeah Jeez, and like um, amazing and this is a 2005 Dude. so like a lot of, yeah. a lot of these guys are just sort of i mean they'd already been doing a lot of really great stuff but i i certainly wasn't aware of them at the time right and um meeting all of them at that time just completely pushed me to actually um do com- or take comics more seriously for myself because sure. i at that time i'd still just been fucking around with just random like buy auto bio stuff and just kind of jokey stuff and i, I had no but real... still good stuff i've seen it Oh, the, the older yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, pe- and for many years, people were telling me to just keep doing autobio stuff until yeah. like very like Jeffrey Brown and yeah, and I, I like that stuff. But yeah. then at a certain point, I just got sick of my own voice. <laughs> I don't know, like that. And when I say that, some people get a little annoyed, especially if I say that to a cartoonist who does almost um, exclusively autobio stuff. They're just right. gonna be like, I don't want to hear that shit. Are you? Like, is that a bad, backhanded like fuck you to me and it's just you it's not them it's just my life but yeah. I, but i'm always gonna love reading about other people's lives i don't yeah. really just want i just don't want to draw about mine yeah um wouldn't they want to hear i guess narcissists don't want to hear that they're narcissists <laughs> i guess not i guess not <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah so so um that so that 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 was a course altering thing for me because I, I don't know what I would, I would have just been pursuing any non comic thing mm-hmm. up until then. But I, I pretty much became obsessed with comics for many years after that, like out after that event, even so, more obsessed because what were you before? You're just sort of like, here I was there? just a big fan, but then yeah. like, I, I didn't have any illusions that I would, um, break through in any way. I mean, not that I've broken through ever, but like, you know, just like I, 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 um, I, I didn't want to spend the time and effort. And even back then, I knew that it was going to be an insane amount of time and effort to do something in a field that not that many people are even aware of. So, um, but that that kind of planted the seed in me already that it doesn't matter because um, you have to have that to do comics. You have to know that you're, you could just be screaming against the void and it's fine. Sure. Because you care enough about the medium and what you're doing that it doesn't matter if no one sees it. And people like to say that about whatever they do creatively in theory. Mm-hmm. But you need a sort of a real spark or fire or, or, or an event or catalyst for that. Because 
that kind of thinking only goes so far just theoretically unless you're you are really met with like some kind of life-changing like oh i, I have to do this mm-hmm. and um, and that was tcaf for you i think so yeah cool and um so Did it, do you think them most of them the artists that you've met being asian american influence you like oh like or a lot or yeah. being asian american yeah okay because um i i didn't really have any kind of asian american creative uh, i didn't know a lot of asian american artists no no i mean i mean in my in my immediate circle sure. growing up right um and and um so to sort of be firsthand to that like just be fans of them and then to know them as people was really important to me because it just humanized them and it made it be it made it seem to me like oh i could actually do this if you know with enough time and effort i could mm-hmm. do it because i know these people and i consider them now friends so um yeah, so so Derek and I became friends over the years, over over a big amount of time. So like, fast forward to late 2010, where I, I basically got priced out of New York, like a lot of people, and it seems to continue to happen now because yeah. I'm and constantly meet, yeah, I'm constantly <laughs> meeting people like, oh, I just moved here from New York. I'm like, mm, yeah, welcome, <laughs> yeah. another one. Yeah. yeah, and I feel guilty because they. Yeah, I can understand why people that have grown up here or have lived here for a while are just like, another fucking New Yorker. I get it. It's <laughs> fucking annoying. Because you're from Long Island originally. I grew up in Long Island. Born and raised there? or Yes. Okay. And then I kind of, throughout my 20s, ping-ponged um, around Queens and Brooklyn mm-hmm. and was just on the peripheral of all that nauseatingly hip bullshit. But <laughs> yeah. But, so then let's talk about that. The, the hip nauseating bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Where did you start? Like, how did you get into music then? Uh, well, I mean, just since high school, I was always yeah. just kind of uh, fucking around in bands because sure. um, I think um, if 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 you work in a very isolated creative field like comics or writing or anything like that, you need something else to temper that. And uh, for me, it was just music. You just need a collaboration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where you're not just in your own four walls and exactly. in front of the desk. Tell me things. about it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what's fascinating yeah. about talking to people who work in film is that, like, you know, it is such a multi-tiered, multi-armed creature, mm-hmm. and you do have to know how to play well with other others, and it's always kind of an amazing thing that any film gets made. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> of all the moving parts, but, like, um, so, um, yeah, I, I've always just um, been an intense hobbyist with music, and... Um, just as from a therapeutic level mm-hmm. and um so so um oh yeah okay so so moving here not long after i moved here um and i don't remember what the circumstances were but derek sent me the script i don't know if i asked him for the script because he was just telling me i'm doing work on this web series or if i forget how i read it but he was just starting to ramp up production of it or production for it and i'm almost positive he didn't give it to me as an actor because i'm not an actor but I read it regardless, regardless of the circumstances, and it just it hit. It was for uh, episode one, like Funny Sunday. There was a script for that, and um, I just I didn't expect to be as compelled as I was to 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 just have the insane delusion that I should read for it because I have, I, yeah, at that point I had no acting experience at all. But I that character seemed so real to me, like in my head, that I was like, 
Because well, he's a comic book artist too. The 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 role. Yeah, the Indigo is <laughs> yeah, just a yeah. struggling cartoonist, and like, yeah. um, and nowhere near the I was nowhere near the extent that he that the character was in terms of like how much he was going to invest his life and sacrifice his social life to pursue this one thing. You didn't do that. I, not at all. I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you said that facetiously, no. but like. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I saw you out. I saw you out. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm too much of a. Or at, at the time, mm-hmm. I, it's become less and less now. But at mm-hmm. the time, I was way more of a pragmatist. That yeah, like like anyone else who is passionate about something but not necessarily ready to just go all in on it. Mm-hmm. I was just juggling a lot of random totally. day jobs and just kind of like because I I it doesn't take a fucking um you know. And you, and you just have to have a cursory knowledge of comics and know that the shit isn't... You're not going to be living off of it. So I I barely knew any cartoons and barely knew anything about the business. But I knew that you can't... That's no way to live. Right. And now, uh, with... I mean, I guess we could generalize and say all parents would think this, but especially Asian parents. What do they think of you and this career path? Because But you had other jobs at the same time. Yeah, because, like, you know, they... they, they, they <laughs> They, you know, they pay like I. Th- thank God, I didn't. I didn't have student loans, and I'm sure. super grateful for that. So, like, yeah. they just paid through my college, and I studied graphic design. Uh, even though, even at, at the time, I knew that I I just wanted to draw. But at the time, it was, and this is like late '90s. Like, I graduated in 2000. Um, going into graphic design in my head was the practical move. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna even though I just wanted draw shit i don't know if that meant I, animation I or comic i did the exact same thing wait you I, you studied graphic designer oh yeah i didn't know that yeah <laughs> yeah i went in as art history because i didn't have a portfolio yet but i'm like i'm going to just study design because i like to draw and the only thing that makes money <laughs> drawing really yeah. is design right yeah around so. that, i actually i minored in art history too and it, yeah. i don't know what that did for me yeah i switched really fast so I go to museums and still scratch my head all the time. Like mm. I can tell you a bit about Chinese art, maybe because that was the one art history class I took. But other than <laughs> Buddhist Chinese art, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so again, your parents were like, yeah, yeah, against all odds. They they were very supportive. That's and, great. Yeah, you know, and I was fortunate enough to have you know parents who you know, could afford to be. Mm-hmm. I think um, because. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I was first. I, I'm confused as to what's considered first generation because I always said I was first generation, but it's, now I've been told that that means depends. something. Depends. Like Japanese say, the first family that moves here is first generation. That's right. And then the kids they have a second. So that, but, it, but that other cultures, second generation. yes, right. And um, the Japanese are always right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, let's not get into <laughs> Filipino Japanese relations, but uh, no, but but like yeah, they they, they were really supportive and That's um, great. and still are, mm-hmm. and um, so um, yeah, back to the whole Mythomania thing again. It's just um, I, I I when I read for it, I don't even know that he that Derek auditioned anyone else. I just like. He's like, maybe he was in a rush or just I Jeremy, you're it. Whatever 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 um Psst, place yeah, I was in when paid, I read it. They paid you. I don't know what they paid no, you. But no, they're they're paid. Everyone, <laughs> it was just a labor of love. <laughs> okay. Everyone just cool, did cool. it to do it. But um right. um yeah. And 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 that was um in retrospect I'm glad I did it, but it, it, it came with yeah. its own insane baggage and 
it, it was not easy for me and definitely not easy for Derek. Hmm. He, did he, he direct? Really suffered. Yeah, I mean, he wrote it and he directed. He, he did almost everything. Wow. And um, I, I think that it was taxing on them. Like, like he, he talks about it openly, too. Yeah. It's, it Why was, did you decide to take the role, though? Just because it was like... Naivete. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, b- because it, it was a good thing and bad thing that I never acted before. So it was like this sort of thing where I'm given an opportunity to just be myself, which is like a cliche, but um, it, under these circumstances, it was very much that where like I, I, I understood that character so much that I, I didn't have to really think outside of what I normally think. But then because of that, it also came with that. That also kind of messed up, messed with my head. Mm-hmm. So I'm not made for that acting bullshit. You sure? Because weren't you in another web series? No, just the second part of that. Oh, so there was, was a second. Media, like one and then the second one, okay. which didn't focus on my character. Thank God. Uh, it was focused on um, the character of Tony played by one of my best friends from New York. Okay. Co- coincidentally. Huh. <laughs> okay. The last thing I want to talk about is I've read in some interviews and some articles you've written about um and I think, you know, especially Asian American males can relate to this, like an anger that we might have, right? Mm-hmm. Built up inside of us. And I know you've put that into some of the characters you've written about and obviously in some of your autobiographical stuff. What is your out I mean is everything you do now the outlet? I know you've also said it's sort of dulled now, but it has to be dulled with. And age. I've also listened to your yeah. music, so I think it definitely comes out in there. <laughs> yeah, with the screaming and stuff. Yeah. I mean, everyone needs an outlet, and um, yeah. I mean, and just the times we live in, we mm-hmm. see what the cost of anger in general, it's male anger specifically. But um, if we want to get even more specific and talk about asian male anger i mean that comes with its own cost too like every time i've heard about like an asian american shooter or whatever it's just like why i it's horrible that that happens it's horrible regardless of the race but then Mm -hmm. as an asian person you of course there's gonna be a part of me that part of you that sees that and be like i do no matter even though that person is a monster to me sure there's still a part of me that sees where that anger comes from yeah and um because you you, you're trying to just but we're healthy men and know how to, right? <laughs> no, did, did you decide? No. I was like to to uh, divert that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, we're healthy men. So, yeah, I, you. Well, said, I wasn't sure where you go. I was like, is this going to go healthy, to a sexual place? I'm not a healthy man. <laughs> Mentally, I'm, that was okay. Just no, 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 well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we're not insane people. Like, right, you yeah. know, we we could we could uh, funnel that energy into you know we know how to release it. Yeah. You in know, positive ways, especially. Yeah, and God yeah. forbid, you know, you, you you've lived a fucked up enough life, or you have a fucked up fucked up head that you have to sort of put that on someone else. Yeah, but um, it it it's it's a developing thing because when I think about um, it's hard to project into future into the future because I I think about where Asian American men uh, like representation is such a small part of it like representation in media mm-hmm. because we need human stories to help you know to, to identify with and to latch onto and to sort of reinforce our own humanity when we are invisible 
you know, anytime we could get it, that's what we glom onto. And because we can't count on all people having a the strength of mind to, you know, be able to reinforce themselves in their own identity in a world that is constantly either not acknowledging their existence or just straight up taking their manhood. I mean, fuck, I was, you know, we were, before we were, we were talking on mic, like, we were talking about the World Series and the fucking, oh, the guy yeah. from Houston with the chink eyes, like, it's like, Grail. Yeah. This, is, this is still happening, and like, yeah. what, in on all levels of society, and yeah. sports, and whatever, entertainment, yeah. and like, and, and the scariest part of that to me is like, people saying, even Asian Americans saying like, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, right, you know why it doesn't bother you, because we're used to it. That's the problem. That's a problem, but look, we've, we've dealt with it, right? We're mad, but we're like, okay, that's fucked up, moving on. But the bigger problem, I think, is somebody wrote this, um, I wish I could remember who wrote this article, but they're like, I'm not worried about us, the guys that get it, that have dealt with it. I'm more worried about, you know, future generations or kids that are looking up to this baseball player and seeing that. That them thinking that it's okay to do that, right? Because there's already been photos of people mimicking this already. Yeah. You know, especially in Houston. And, <laughs> um, you know, or, and then that the fact that this is perpetuating, that our kids or future generations are going to have to still deal with this bullshit <laughs> that you would have thought would have been like quashed by now, you know? It, that, it, that's why I can't be understated about these. Like, it, it feels so goofy to place importance on, like, shows and movies. Mm-hmm. But that's what, like, the future <laughs> the future people are going to see. Like, yeah. you know, our kids or whatever, they'll see, like, season whatever, Walking Dead or um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Well, like, yeah, any, or any, any, like, show. Or, or yeah. the movie that's coming, uh, Crazy Rich Asians coming out next right. year. Like, stuff like that mm-hmm. where we are being humanized and we are giving... We're giving multifaceted roles and not, you know, like yeah. that run the gamut of yeah. humanity and human experience, and 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 the and the fact that, that that's so rare and that we're we sometimes struggle to even think of examples, is a testament to how fucking thirsty we are for that. And um, if we're at the infancy of it, and we've lived, you know, per, in our own lives, we we've lived enough life to sort of. Um, have a little bit of perspective of how difficult it is to not have that mm-hmm. and sort of do what we can to set a template for um, not only people now, but hopefully, you know, kids now that'll not, you know, I, I hope they're not, they're not in the position where they're still searching like we were for so many decades that, um, It'll just it's our own small part in making it easier bit by bit step by step yeah because we don't want another comic psych- book by psych- comic psychopath book. <laughs> uh, shooting people <laughs> we got enough yeah. of that but yeah. um let's not get a, get a po- what 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 happy note can we end on <laughs> so many so many jeremy so many but i'm, I'm glad thanks so much for digging the comic i'm glad you i mean i can't recommend it enough i think it's a it's a sweet story it's a cool story it it resonated with me because, I mean, again, an Asian male that's been in what I think is the situation you've been in, <laughs> right? I won't give too much of the story away, but, you know, 
you know, falling for someone and how that goes. Um, you know, dealing with the better man, right? I'll call it that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a really cool story. And honestly, uh, I can't wait to get a, a full physical copy in my hands. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. As yeah. soon as that happens. Yes. Yeah. Well, anything we can do to help. <laughs> which is not a lot but, you know, oh, but. Like, well um, I, like I said um, I, I'm going to be knocking on a bunch of doors in the yeah. next month and um, beyond that like if I can't find a publisher that will fork, fork over the dough to like make it happen um, I'll either crowdfund or just yeah. you know scrounge up and just put it out myself and cool. uh, just to get it just do another hands. acting gig <sighs> Sell, sell an album. You know, I did I did a lot of extra... When I first moved here, I did a lot of extra work as an actor. Really? Just to, just to pay the well, bills. Can you see yourself in anything? There are some commercials I was in, okay. just as an extra, but... I feel like I remember sucked. seeing you in one. Yeah. I was like, it, yeah, I was in yeah. some random commercials, but like... Um, That's all right. That That's was good. degrading, and I hated it. Oh. Well. <laughs> but hey, Asian Americans on TV. <laughs> as long as you're not a stereotypical, like... I did play a doctor in one of the commercials. That's all right. My dad was proud. No, you you're Filipino. You're usually a nurse. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> nurse! <laughs> ah, zing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. But not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, it's, keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's plug your stuff so you can check out most of A Challenge on jeremyarambolo.com. Yeah, and um, if, if you want to read the whole thing, uh, for now, con- you can contact me directly. Whoa. The information's on my website. You I mean, might get like a f- few dozen emails from this <laughs> podcast now. I, I've, got, I've gotten <laughs> some emails from, um, from I because I, I don't keep track of who looks at my website. But anyway, yeah, it, um, just, just contact me directly. It's on my website, mm-hmm. and I could send you um, a place to read the whole book um, awesome. for now. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, just jeremyrable.com. Should people go about. check out Mythomania still? If it's they on, want. It's on YouTube. If they check want. Check it out. <laughs> I think it's funny. I mean, yeah, for, for Derek, check it out. Yeah. He gets the hits. For me, I can't. Yeah, it's a weird thing to me. But and then your bands. You have multiple bands. Yes. Well, uh, the Bad one... in Bed, which I love. Yes. Thank the you. Name. Thank you. Yeah. No, the name sucks, but yeah. No, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I hate that fucking okay, name. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but who picked it? Did your lead singer? I was outvoted because at the time we were a trio. And okay. uh the uh, the main songwriter Mary Kobayashi mm-hmm. and uh, my friend our guitarist uh, Gary yeah. they both thought it was really funny. You know, I'm like, who I'm came a up fucking Asian American guy. Stop fucking. Yeah, man. Like, how long do you want my dry spell to last, <laughs> motherfucker? So, um, <laughs> what's the name of your band? Yeah, like, Bad in Bed. Ugh, what a drag. It's, so yeah, it's ironic. But Bad in Bed, <laughs> we we just put an album. Uh, you can check it out. Just go to SoundCloud, Bad in Bed. The album's called The Looks Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are proud of it. And uh, we're playing a record release. Uh, this is a while from now. I don't know when this is coming out. But um, the record release will be in January 8th Whoa. at The Satellite. That's a while away. Yeah, it's a while. So, <laughs> satellite. But, okay. uh, but, you know, cool. if, you, if you check out The Satellite's uh, calendar in, in the next month, we'll be playing a record release there. Awesome. And uh, I also play with a band called Born That Guy. But, um, yeah, that's... Yeah. All that stuff's on my website. And then, but you have your own personal songwriting, Fluorescent I, Beige. Yes, uh, which I, uh, it's a really misguided name. I got it from. <laughs> I uh, love that name. I got it's it from hilarious. the movie Precious, weirdly enough. Oh. <laughs> I, I've never seen Precious. <laughs> because there's a character, um, she, she's being interviewed at the in, in the high school, and they're like, what's your, 
Or she describes her favorite color as fluorescent beige. And I'm watching a movie like, holy shit, that's a color? <laughs> I Googled fluorescent, fluorescent beige thinking it was a joke, and it was an actual, it's an actual color. Really? And, you know, it's just Crayola ironic or to on... me. It's just like a bright beige, which yeah. seems ironic to me at the time. It was me just trying to be clever. And I like it. What good is it? I like it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Awesome. Um, so I'm just going to give a shout out to our audience. As always, thank you so much for listening, all you yellow perilers. Don't forget to follow and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and find us on yomyomf.com. Thanks to them, as always, for hosting us. Um, you can also find us on Facebook now at Yellow Peril Pod. Let us know what you think, though. Leave your comments or questions in a voicemail at 650-YELLOW7. That's 650-935-5097. Or tweet us at It's Yellow Peril. Or email us at yellowperilpod at gmail.com um, so when we end a show we sing a song and you have many songs are you talking any, about my songs? Any, any, anything no, any, let's you, sing the what's a fun karaoke song, any <laughs> song is there anything that relates to something we talked about that's what we try to do I don't want to sing we, we always say oh we talked about Bruce Lee sing Kung Fu Fighting don't sing well, Kung Fu Fighting oh no, I fucked that song I hate that song, yeah, fuck that uh, song. Did, the, the Dodger, <laughs> did the Dodgers win or lose oh let's god see. let's check right now um, yeah I think uh, they lost so what's a good can we let's sing We Are The Champions <laughs> you know it's so sad let's pour out one for the Dodgers yeah. I'm gonna go um, I'm going to go back to my neighborhood full of angry Los Angeles. For our listeners, we're enjoying some fine whiskey tonight. We are the champions, my friends. And we'll keep on fighting till the end. We are the champions. We are the champions. Close it out. (laughs) <laughs> no time for Houston Cause we are the champions Of Sunset Boulevard <laughs> Oh boo Thanks so much Fuck you Guriel you racist fuck I mean, can you make, I mean, I'm just trying to think of, last night the best thing was that the pitcher Hill, did you see what he did? He stepped off the mound so that people could boo him longer. I heard about that. I didn't see it, but that was cool too. Pretty Um, cool. See. Yeah. You're not going to include any of that scene. (laughs) No, that's going up. You're fucked. That whole video is all all going up. Enjoy it. (laughs) It's going to be the the biggest hit since Mythomania. Ugh. That old chestnut. Mm-hmm. Mythomania.